Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We are coming to you, as always, from bellyupsports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black. Alan, we're coming off of week two with a lot of action that went down in college football. How are you doing today? I loved watching week two of college football. It was fun, wasn't it? Totally. Yeah, it was about as good as college football can get. You got Bama going down. Just a lot of really, really fun football. Like even some of the mid-tier games of this week just ended up being so much fun to watch. Like starting from noon with that Utah-Baylor game. Absolutely. There was a lot of action that was a lot of fun to watch. We are leaving week two and entering week three of our ATS contest over on CBS Sports. So we have to talk about some leaders. We have atop the leaderboard, Tonio, who has 15 wins through two weeks. Following him up is Trey, our leader from last week. He has 14 wins and in a tie for third place, but with a tiebreaker is one of our team captains, Bruce, who is in charge of the third place prize right now. So where those guys stand, Tonio is in the lead for $175. Trey is following him up with the spot that is designated for $75, and then Bruce would be in the spot designated for $25. Each of those guys would be due a blackout t-shirt as well, and the way we run things here is if you've won one of those before, we give you the option to convert that into some cash as well. So your prizes can go up a little bit. But Alan, some exciting stuff going on. And man, there has been a lot of really good competition up at the top of the leaderboard and some very impressive picks through two weeks. Yeah, 100%. To have a couple of guys have eight spots, including Bruce Antonio, this past week, I think we had like four eight spots this past week. That is an incredible incredible week like I don't know if I got that maybe but once last year if at all so to do that at week two is amazing so kudos to those guys and uh yeah I'm hoping to get some of what they're having coming into this week we did have a lot of people with a lot of wins we saw a lot of people go above 500 there were sixes there were sevens there were eights I found myself in the seven category but we'll get to that in a second Alan when we look back at your pick'em slate I think we have something to look at in particular. You went four and five, question mark? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's your review of what happened in week two in the ATS? My freaking fat finger touched the app when we found out that Michael Pratt would not be playing. I initially had Tulane covering the point spread. And on the other side, on the confidence side, I had moved Ole Miss down to, I think, a force where I had them originally on my board. And because of that, once it broke that it looked like Michael Pratt would not be playing, I moved Ole Miss up to a seven on the confidence side. And then I went into the CBS app and hit Ole Miss, and it said it saved. And then when the game starts, I realized that it didn't save at all. Uh. And in fact, it just eliminated everything. Because of that, I didn't get my fifth win, which I'm pretty butthurt about. No (laughs) lie. (laughs) I can't blame you. I mean, I understood generally what happened when I saw your record. I knew that it 
oriented itself around the Ole Miss Tulane game, and I knew that there was an issue with that. I knew that we were debating back and forth, hey, what do we do with these picks as we go into a college football Saturday when all of a sudden we have this late-breaking news that was not given out any time during the week with Tulane, and it really impacted what we did. So I can't blame you. Unfortunately, it happened. There's nothing we can really do about that, and I know mishaps happen sometimes, but I would say that it is a reminder for everybody out there, do check your picks on CBS Sports at least once once after you've submitted them because every once in a while there is something kind of funky that goes on on their system I mean this honestly can happen with either one sometimes you accidentally select the wrong one sometimes you accidentally bump the wrong one with your thumb like you're talking about any number of things can happen you just want to make sure that going into kickoff of each of these games that you do have your board oriented the way you want it to exactly right was it last year in the confidence side that you chose some outlandish <laughs> game at like a 10. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, Thomas is so messed up because of this. <laughs> I was mad. I carry it with me today. I've learned my lessons. I make sure I go back and check my board because I know exactly <laughs> what it was. I sat here on the blackout and gave a pick for raising a confidence value on Clemson versus NC State. I was correct. Yes. And then kickoff happened and I went back to look at everybody's picks and I got to my name and I saw... NC State picked at a very (laughs) high level. And I just went, what in the world? And I remember, I told you later, I remember that there was a point in the day where I went back and was looking through things and I thought I did something fluky, but I was focused in on a different set of picks and I didn't look at that Clemson NC State one and it came back to bite me. So that was the mistake I made. I knew I made a mistake. I just didn't find it. And so it's a reason why you go back and check these things regularly just to make sure that something fluky hasn't happened because you do end up in a butthurt situation like you had and like I had. (laughs) It's just the worst because you feel helpless. But other than that game, which I would have gotten right, by the way, let that be known. Both of my ATS locks did not come to fruition because had the UCF game and the one caveat that I put in the written form was the fact that if that game turned into a sloppy turnover fest, that is the one scenario where Boise State would cover. And that's exactly what happened. John Rice Plumley had two interceptions and ultimately would get hurt and is out for several weeks now. They had 150 more yards than Boise State. This was not supposed to be a close game, but judging by the 18 to 16 score and ultimately the game winning field goal at the end, they just couldn't get in an end zone and had multiple mistakes. But again, I'm picking that same way. And it was very, very clear. UCF was the better team. And I was so dead wrong about A&M. They imploded after starting what I thought was incredibly well. That was just one of those games where I felt really good Going into about halftime, I'm like, okay, A&M has control of this game. And then all of a sudden, Miami just completely took over, outscoring A&M 27-16 in the second half. So it just happens. You know, they imploded, and I did not see A&M having a great rest of the year because that felt very damaging to them. No doubt about it. And like you mentioned with the written picks, not everybody's going to be familiar with that because we do reserve those for our team captains who subscribe with us over on Patreon. That's at the $5 amount or higher per month. 
We give out our ATS locks. We give out our confidence value picks on written form each and every week so that people get to see those even if they don't get a chance to listen to the podcast. And best of all, when we get that money coming in, we donate it back to the prizes to make the prizes bigger and bigger and bigger. So that is the name of the game with the show and with the contest that we run. And it's in the hopes that each and every one of you will be contending for very, very large prizes one day down the road. But one of the things that we did with that was the written pick you gave out was just as you said, you put Ole Miss very low in value, thinking that there may be an upset against Tulane. But all week, we didn't know anything about Michael Pratt. When that yep. floated out on Saturday morning, I then texted you back and forth, hey, how does this impact your pick? How does it impact mine? Because I knew you had given it out on the show, and I wanted to give you a chance to edit that as you should, very likely. And you and I did very similar things. We ended up flipping our ATS picks. Yours didn't save. Eh, sorry about that. But on the confidence <laughs> side, we both raised Ole Miss up when we had both talked about, we had the same idea. We were going to put Ole Miss very, very low on our board and thinking that there could be an upset. And then what I did was I thought, man, we can't let our listeners hang out to dry without this information because it broke so late on Saturday. You know, it's like mid-morning when that information yeah. came out and nothing had been breathed about it all week. So what I did was I updated on Patreon an injury update for Michael Pratt that he was unlikely to play, and then I updated what our picks were. But that went out to our walk-ons and higher. That's because those are the people who subscribe to that content and get those confidence value picks every single week. So by the time I released that content at about 20 after 11 Eastern time on Saturday morning, all of a sudden, we had people who were able to normally listen to the show and had our content displayed in one way, all of a sudden got an update to that content. So it's the thing that we want to do. Sometimes we're going to find out information that we didn't know about, but we want to keep everybody as updated as possible. But that update did go out only to paid subscribers. So that's another thing that you can get by jumping on board as a team member when you're a walk-on, when you're a team captain, anything above, you're going to get those confidence value picks and you're going to get extra information when it comes in like that. It's not going to be ultra often, but that was a very unique circumstance that I thought was very important to let our listeners know about. I mean, our ultimate goal is to be open and honest, and we're going off the information that we have that we do put time and effort into to studying these things. And as you mentioned, there was nothing, no whiff about it at all until literally about 10, 15, 10, 30 in the morning on Saturday. And at that point, it wasn't for sure. It was just you were kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit like, hey, this feels like he may not play. And sure enough, in that game would have looked different if Pratt had played. It was very close as is at the end, the 17-point game. That was a one-possession game throughout. Ole Miss got a really cheap touchdown at the end, and their backup quarterback played very well. But Michael Pratt is a next-level type of player. No doubt about it. Alan, with the week that you had going 4-5, and five, you're now 8-11 and 11 in your ATS picks on the season. It did drop you to 24th place. So where do you think you are in just your mindset heading into Week 3? Well, I'm seven points back overall. This is a week that I've got to get above 500. I've got to be at least 6-4. and four. That's just the name of the game at this point. That's what has to happen for me to start working my way up the board. 
No doubt that would be a big boost to where you stand right now. But right now we aim to give some good ATS information on the podcast where I had a better week a week ago. I went seven and three in my picks. I jumped up to a tie for sixth in the standings as opposed to where I was in 13th last week. I'm now 12 and eight overall and my locks went one and one. I had Iowa minus three and a half. And that was kind of in a way, no doubt about it, because they got out to an early lead and they were in control of the entire game. But then when you look back statistically at the game, the game was much more evenly played out than I expected it to be. So I don't know if it would have been a lock if I could follow it up again this week, but I would still be on the exact same side because I do think ultimately... I would rely on Iowa's defense going up against a backup quarterback with Iowa State. Iowa State missed a field goal. They threw a pick six. So there are things that lead me to believe these are just things that happen often with the Hawkeyes. And so even though it was a relatively closely played game statistically, I still do think I was probably on the right side with that one. And then I had a lock with Utah minus seven and a half points at Baylor And that thing did not hit. And even though Utah won by seven points and we were only off on winning that one by a single point, it really wasn't even that close because it was Utah coming from behind and it was Baylor who was controlling most every part of that game. So if you were on the side of Baylor, not only did you get it right, I think you were absolutely on the right side. The thing that really turned for that one was Bryson Barnes. I talked about how he had played pretty well in week one against Florida, but he was no good Early in this game, he threw an interception early, a bad one that allowed Baylor to get up 3-0, and it wasn't until late in the second half that Utah made a switch to Nate Johnson at quarterback where they really got the run game going, and he was good enough in the passing game to allow Utah to just push Baylor around and score a couple touchdowns late to take this game. So if they'd made that switch earlier in the game, I think there's very well a good chance that maybe I could have come out with the win with Utah yeah. minus the seven and a half points. But it's something to take under consideration because Utah has made the switch now with Nate Johnson will be their backup quarterback when Cam Rising returns. We don't know if that's this coming week, but it's something to take note of because this team did start operating better offensively once he was in there. I kept wondering, this was like in the middle of the third quarter. I'm like, why are they not giving Nate Johnson a chance? And I know coaches – they very much want to roll with the guy that they've chosen. And it's a pride issue. And, you know, they want to believe in the guys and that kind of stuff. But it was very, very clear that they had nothing going with Barnes as their quarterback and needed to have the more explosive Nate Johnson in the game. And it almost cost them because he did it at the extremely last moment. But they found a way to win, just didn't find a way to cover. It almost cost me really big because not only did I lose my lock with Utah minus the seven and a half points, but I had Utah at nine points in the confidence pick them. And thank goodness Nate Johnson took over. Thank goodness that defense bowed up in the second half. It really was to my benefit on that side. And the reason I mentioned the confidence, we don't talk about that whole whole lot on our ATS pick em pods. But on the confidence side, if you listened to the episode last week in week two, my other confidence value play that had significance in both contests was moving Alabama down in value. Now, when we looked at our board last week, Alabama should have landed at about a seven on your pick board in a confidence value. But I said, move Alabama down. I said they were in absolute danger playing Texas, even on their home field against Quinn Ewers and the offense that Steve Sarkeesian brings in. 
Not only did the upset happen, but I had Alabama at a one in confidence value. So while there were a lot of other people who had Alabama at mid-levels and high levels on their confidence pick'em board, it really helped me move up drastically in the confidence pick'em just from week one to week two when I really, really needed some help. So if you had listened to that and taken my advice on the confidence pick'em, you very likely would have taken Texas plus seven and a half points, a pick that I had. So not only did I go one and one in my locks, but if you'd taken that advice, you would have gone two and one in those three games. So a bonus there that, Alan, we hope to absolutely give some good value when people listen to the content on both sides. You had it right. I was much, much more confident that Alabama would take care of business. And that had more to do with the fact that they were at home. It was a night game. And I thought much more highly of this Alabama defense. And I was absolutely wrong. I had an Alabama at eight because I went eight and two confidence picks. And it's the reason that I stayed in 33rd place because otherwise I had a great week. Very, very understandable. So, Alan, if you're ready for it, why don't we go ahead and dive into some week three ATS locks? All right, let's do it. All right, because I had the better week in the ATS this past week, I will start us off. And, Alan, I don't know about you. I'll ask this question first. As we look at week three, I want to know kind of where your head's at because to me, I looked at this board and I really, really struggled to find something with a lot of confidence on the ATS side. I have not had a hard time finding confidence and giving out bold takes in week one and week two, but this week I felt was very, very different. Yeah, this one's hard, bro. (laughs) And I've not done well the past two weeks. So I'm hoping that maybe the fact that I consider this impossible, maybe I will really get lucky. But I definitely thought, man, there's not a lot of easy ones here. I thought you might be on the same page. We haven't talked about this beforehand. It's the exact same way that I felt. And I say that because I want people to understand we've talked about when we give out these picks, when we're giving out our locks, we're locking things on the board that we believe in. But sometimes that's to a very high degree. Sometimes that's like, ah, I think this is true, but we're going to see it on Saturday, you know, that kind of thing. So I think this Saturday kind of falls into that, especially on the ATS side. I think it's a difficult board to pick. I think a lot of the lines are in the right spots. And I think that means it's hard to find which side to be on in a lot of these matchups. And I think a lot of them you can quite frankly see going either way. So I'll start us off with an ATS lock. I am going to look at primetime himself, Deion Sanders, where we're going to watch the Colorado Buffaloes host Colorado State after dark. We get some Pac-12 after dark with Dion and company, and it should be a lot of fun to see the Colorado Buffaloes once again, but they stand as 22.5-point favorites on the CBS Sports ATS Pick'em Board, and we've got some things to look at with both of these teams, but it is interesting because when you look at the Colorado State side, they've only played one game, and they played Washington State. They got blown out 50-24. to The thing that I will zone in on with Colorado State from this matchup, it's only one game. I wish they'd played two to this point because I think it would help me understand this matchup a lot more, but they're Defense allowed Cam Ward to throw for over 450 yards. They gave up 466 passing yards as a team. Now, their offense does not have much of a run game that at least was displayed against Washington State. And I think Washington State does have a pretty good defense, so that could have something to do with it. But they did pass the ball well. 
But when you look at what has been a problem for Colorado so far this season, it's certainly on the defensive side of the ball, but it's mostly against the run, not the pass. They've been pretty good against the pass, and a lot of that has to do with a defensive back in Travis Hunter, who has been spectacular. You flip it over to the offensive side of the ball, and Dion and his son Shador Sanders have come in, and they've been throwing the ball all over the yard. Shador has averaged throwing the ball for over 450 yards in each of the first two games, the wins against TCU and against Nebraska. He's got wide receivers that have been dynamic, Xavier Weaver, Travis Hunter not only plays defensive back, but he's been filling in at wide receiver as well and has been awesome. Jimmy Horn Jr., they've even gotten their running back Dylan Edwards involved in the passing game as well. So while Colorado does not have much of a running game, they certainly have honed in on the passing game and it has been good. So because Colorado State gave up a ton of passing yards to Cam Ward and what I think is a less dynamic receiver core, I am going to side with Colorado in this matchup. It's a big line. I don't feel great about it. I wish it was a couple of points lower, but because this is also a rivalry game, I don't believe that Dion is going to shy away from scoring a lot of points. And I don't believe that he is going to shy away from potentially running up the score on Colorado State. And Colorado State, even on top of that, is running a backup quarterback in this matchup. Their starter, Clay Millen, got injured last week. And that leaves the door open for redshirt freshman Braden Fowler-Nicolosi. Now, Fowler-Nicolosi did perform pretty well last week in the second half against Washington State, but they benefited from a kickoff return for a touchdown. He threw a touchdown pass that was, I think, 75 yards, a one-play scoring drive late in that game. So this score really could have been a lot worse than it was, and I think that Colorado is going to bring the firepower that could kind of replicate what Washington State did a week ago. So I'm locking it up. Even though I don't feel great about the big line, I'm going to take the Buffaloes minus 22.5 this week. Even though it's a big line, and I sometimes try to stay away from that, I think at this point it's been proven, as you've mentioned, that this Deion Sanders-Buffalo's team has some explosiveness. That Nebraska team just eventually got worn down over some short fields and some Jeff Sims stupid plays and all kinds of things, and they were able to really pull away from them. I'm going to be on Colorado's side as well because it does have that same type of feel of even if they don't get going early, this is a team that's explosive enough to be able to cover that type of spread into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I kind of expect you're going to see Colorado do closer to what they did against TCU when they scored over 40 points. I think it could easily be in the 40s. I think they could potentially score in the 50s. I kind of feel like what this Colorado State defense did in week one shows the opportunity that Colorado kind of could score at will, you know, maybe every single time they touch the ball. And if they do that, I really don't believe Colorado State has the firepower to keep up with them. So it's just kind of to me, how much does Colorado score? If they get up in the 40s and 50s, which I think they're entirely capable of doing, then I really like the chances that they can cover the 22 and a half point line that we have over on CBSSports.com. Totally agree, my man. Alan, where are you going for your first ATS lock this week? So I'm going to Syracuse on the road at Purdue. I find this is an interesting game. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I picked against this Purdue team in the confidence side. I had Fresno State beating them. And 
I'm not overly convinced that Purdue is all that good, even though they did go on the road and beat Virginia Tech this past week. I just don't think that's a very good win, to be honest with you. This Syracuse team, in my opinion, is pretty doggone good. They returned Garrett Schrader for his 17th year in college football. He played for Mike Leach for five years and then just traveled around the country for six years, and now he's back at Syracuse. (laughs) But he's been efficient. He's able to run the ball this year. He's got five touchdowns to one interception They haven't really played anybody, but the two teams that they have played, they have beaten handily. They beat Colgate, so they squeezed the toothpaste 65 to nothing. But this past week, they beat Western Michigan 48 to 7. Their defense is always impressive. Last year, their defense was the best part about that team. Purdue with Hudson Card has not proven to me that they're all that good. They're not overly explosive. Again, Virginia Tech is okay, but Quite frankly, they are not very good. And I think the Syracuse team can be very good. It's a light baby spread. Syracuse is only a two and a half point road favorite. And to me, that feels about as easy as of a lock as you're probably going to get this go around. So I'm locking up the Orangemen at that two and a half point spread. This is a team that averages almost 200 total yards more per game offensively than Purdue, and they allow 150 yards less per game than Purdue. This feels like it could be a two-score type of game. But all I need is a field goal, so I'm locking it up. All you need is a field goal. And when we look at these picks each and every week, we have had a lot of similar feelings on picks, right? I mean, we've had – Locks on both sides. Neither one of us has come across the same game very often, but we have consistently been on the same side. And in a week where it is so difficult, you have to try and find those margins that really point to one thing or another. And when we still have a small sample size, it's really difficult to pinpoint exactly what's going to carry out and be a big factor in some of these games. But I understand the philosophy and a field goal is very important. So, I mean, Alan, why not party? in week three (laughs) it's freaking time to party baby (laughs) it is a lock party that is because my second favorite lock this week is also Syracuse minus the two and a half points at Purdue I'm going to echo a lot of the same things that Alan did I think the Syracuse offense kind of surprisingly is pretty dynamic and explosive Garrett Schrader's completing nearly 70 percent of his passes this season he's got a luxury, I guess, at wide receiver with Yamari Hatcher, who has nine receptions for 188 yards, averaging over 20 yards a reception. Isaiah Jones is nearly doing the same thing. He has eight receptions for 157 yards, nearly 20 yards a reception. There is a question mark surrounding their tight end, Aronde Gadston, who got injured last week in their win against Western Michigan. We do not know if he's going to be back, and I haven't heard any indication. I know that later today he was going to get checked out by doctors again. So at their press conference, there wasn't much information coming out on him. He would be a guy that they would miss, but I think Syracuse has weapons that can take advantage against Purdue. And I zone in on that upset that you picked in week one with Fresno State beating Purdue 39-35. That's because a guy that I had questions about at quarterback and Mikey Keene went off. He went 31 of 44 for 366 yards and four touchdowns, and they could not contain a guy in Eric Brooks at wide receiver who had nine receptions for 170 yards. So I think that Syracuse comps fairly favorably to having the explosive passing attack that Purdue did not defend well against Fresno State. 
I think that could rear its ugly head again. And then you look at a Purdue team that, like you said, has not been explosive. And while they like their running back, Devin Mockaby, who was a freshman a year ago, he's only averaging 4.2 yards a carry right now. So I think you have more explosive offense on the side with Syracuse. I think you're looking at a team that is more experienced together. Garrett Schrader has been a good quarterback, even though a few years ago, I would have never told you I thought that could be the case. He even (laughs) adds some stuff in the running game. Man, I think Syracuse is the right side in this one, and I am willing to lock it up as well so it makes a lock party. I'm taking the orange minus the two and a half, and it's not one that I was ultra comfortable with, but I certainly did like it a lot more than a lot of these other lines we had over on CBS Sports. Oh, absolutely. Some of these lines are very... Very tricky. And like we just talked about, it's three points. (laughs) Honestly, it's the most favorable line, in my opinion, that you're going to see. Because basically, it's a pick for all intents and purposes. And I'm going to pick Syracuse to win that game probably nine times out of ten. It certainly will be a fun one to watch, but we've talked about this before with Purdue, even in week one, that Purdue doesn't have Charlie Jones anymore at wide receiver, who was awesome for them a season ago. And this... Offense, in turn, like we said, doesn't look very explosive. So I think that it does make a lot of sense to look at Syracuse. We'll both be on that side. And for a little history lesson, we've talked about this before. Last year during the regular season, somehow we went over with our lock parties. We went over four, but then we rebounded in bowl season, went five and one. So in our history, Alan and I are five and five in lock parties. And let's hope we see ourselves go above 500 for the first time ever with that one. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? It'd just be lovely. (laughs) I would slightly argue, I don't know, this isn't really arguing against you. It's just I wouldn't put a lot of stock in what we've seen with Syracuse with their huge yardage numbers and the little they've given up because of the competition they've played. But I do think it is indicative of a side where the Orange do have the ability to put up points. They have the ability to put up yards. And maybe they're going to be pretty solid on the defensive side. I mean, I don't think there's a reason to necessarily think they'll be bad. They just have some questions in the defensive backfield. And maybe that allows Purdue to have some success. But again, I don't think they're that explosive, especially compared to Syracuse. So, man, let's hope that the lock party comes out in our favor here in week three. Man, that would be quite lovely if that would happen. And I would get off the goose egg and get going and start moving in the right direction. So for my second pick, I am going back to a team that I've already picked once this year that nicely won for me. I picked them on the confidence side in week one, and that was the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, freaking Greg Shiano chopping that dad Jim Wood. And I'm going back there. I mentioned Virginia Tech just a moment ago against this Purdue team losing by seven at home. Now, I understand that that game was kind of weird in the fact that it's actually really started like six hours after it was supposed to because of rain and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? This Rutgers team, it's not a couple of years ago Rutgers team. Now, they're going to get absolutely shellacked against some of the top of the Big Ten. But that's because they were stupid and moving to the Big Ten. That's not because this team necessarily is a terrible iteration of a Rutgers team. One thing that I really like, I like the fact they're at home. And I like the fact that they are simply a six and a half point favorite at home on CBS Sports. The reason I think six and a half is very, very important. That means a touchdown covers. If this were actually a seven point favorite, 
I don't think this would be a lock, but at six and a half, I feel very, very comfortable with this because Rutgers, even though they've played two decent teams, their defense has been really, really good. They beat Northwestern 24-7 against a team that, you know, Northwestern is pretty hapless, not very good. Temple, they destroyed Temple 36-7. It took them a while to get going. And quite frankly, Rutgers is not explosive. But Virginia Tech is far less explosive. Rutgers is averaging 40-plus more yards on the year than Virginia Tech's offense. And Rutgers is far, far more balanced, averaging 188 yards a game on the ground. And that's Virginia Tech's weakness. They do not stop the run very well. Whereas Virginia Tech maybe can throw it, but they absolutely cannot or do not run the ball. So I've got Rutgers covering the six and a half point spread. Tech only scored 17 points versus a Purdue team. That's not great defensively, as we've just talked about. Again, Mikey Keene looked like Joe Deisman. And I've got Rutgers and Greg Schiano covering it at six and a half. Alan, we very nearly came up with a double lock party because this is one of the games that I thought of very deep into our time prepping for this recording. And I am going to be on the side, I believe, of Rutgers minus six and a half. I'm going to look at this matchup more closely, but as I've dug into it so far, I haven't seen a reason to side with Virginia Tech. Now, the way this happens, if Virginia Tech covers, it's going to be an ugly low-scoring game, probably with a bunch of turnovers. And I think that's a possibility. But when you look at Rutgers and what Greg Schiano has done, they've got a team that lacks talent, but they play pretty solid. And they play pretty solid defense. And when you look at what Virginia Tech did, like you said, scoring 17 points against a Purdue team that was very vulnerable against Fresno State, Virginia Tech couldn't run the ball whatsoever. And I believe that Rutgers has a better defense than Purdue does. And when you look at them not being able to run the ball, that puts an awful lot of pressure on Grant Wells at quarterback, who in that game against Purdue went 16 of 33 for 243, two touchdowns and two picks. And he's not a guy that I am going to rely on to perform awfully well, especially if he doesn't have a ground game. So I like the Rutgers defense against the Virginia Tech offense. And I think it's important when you look at Rutgers that they brought in the offensive coordinator they did in Kirk Shiraka. You look at what Gavin Wimsat has done at quarterback. He's nothing impressive, but I think he's performing a little bit better than he did a year ago. He's at least protecting the football, and he's giving them a chance in the passing game. And I think all of those things are important, plus the fact that it's at home. So I can almost guarantee that I will also be on Rutgers minus six and a half points. Like you said, the fact that we get this one at six and a half and not seven and a half is a big deal. And I think there's a chance that Rutgers could win this thing by a couple of scores, though I'm not going to guarantee that by any means. Right. Totally agree on all accounts. And uh, yeah, I love that six and a half point line. I think that's the thing that kind of seals it for me. All right. Alan and I have a confidence pick and pod coming up next. That is where you can jump on board with us if you are a paying subscriber over on Patreon. Those episodes are available to walk-ons or higher. At the walk-on level, you would pay $2.50 a month. That's it. $2.50 gets you four to five of those confidence pick and pods every single month, just depending on when you enter. But that is going to be a recurring thing. And when that money pours in, like we already have from our team captains and our walk-on and our season ticket holder, 
all of that money is going to fund larger and larger prizes over time. So the name of the game is exponential growth with those prizes. So if you appreciate some of the things we do here on the show, we will love your support over there because it'll encourage other people to do the same. We're going to give you a spreadsheet that we use on the Confidence Pick'em Pod every single week as a reference. And that thing is very valuable, but it becomes even more valuable once we hit bowl season and you've got 40 plus games to track. So we've got some fun things going on there. But Alan, we have some ground to make up on the confidence side. And as you have so eloquently said before, this is kind of our bread and butter. The confidence side, even though we're working from the back of the pack, this is where we really make up ground and we can do it quickly if we hit right in a given week. It's not going to be every single week, but I made up a lot of ground last week because of my pick'em slate. And I hope to do the same thing again this week. 100%, man. I got to start making my way back up. I did not this week even though I went eight and two and <laughs> not a bad week, but my goodness, some incredible weeks over there. And I look forward to talking about it. Alan can't wait to see if the lock party goes our way to open up 2023 in a good way on that side. We've got a lot of things in common as we look at our ATS pick and board. Let's see if the confident side is coming out in a similar fashion over on Patreon. I love it. Alan, thank you for your time. And we'll talk to you again next week on another ATS pick and pod in week four. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.